we really have to stay on our toes to see what the market's doing, what different carriers like and don't like. And some of it gets really crazy. And, you know, we're, we're always open to finding different markets, finding different ways to do things. The good thing about us as brokers is we have the ability to go out to multiple carriers. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Sam Rust. Joining us today is JT Lynch, who's a commercial insurance broker with Rami King Insurance. JT, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. There's a little bit of backstory here, but I know that Old Capital down in DFW put on a basketball tournament here recently. Let's see, Hoops for Homelessness. And I saw some pictures of your firm putting together a team. I'm curious, did you participate in that? I did. I did participate. And uh, one of those pictures you see with the Old Capital backdrop is right Right after I tore my Achilles tendon in that tournament. It was in our last game in the last half, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You really left it all out on the court. I guess so. Yeah, I did. It was funny. Um, it, when it happened, you know, I felt it snap. It felt like someone landed on the back of my leg. Uh, but then when there's no one around and I just collapse, uh, then I, I knew exactly what happened. And I was telling everyone, they're like, no, no, you, you just sprained your ankle. It's like, no, like, it's not there. You can feel it. It's gone. And they're like, well, let me get you an ice pack. It's like, okay, it's not going to do anything. Like my Achilles is done. Oh my gosh. Well, I did see that picture. I was like, oh, that didn't look good. But here we are talking just a couple of days later. So the real important question that we're all wondering is, did you guys win? We didn't win. And actually on that play, they called me for a travel too, because I fell down with the ball. Yeah. I had to, had to rub it in a little bit even more. Oh my goodness. I'm going to have to talk to James. Oh, that's just not acceptable. But it was a great time. Great turnout. Um, I wish that I could have stayed longer um, and network, been able to network with everybody, but um, awesome event. The SMU campus is amazing. I don't know the last time I went back there, but it, it's beautiful. And, and the event was great. So I hope that they keep doing it. I don't know how much I can attend uh, next time, but you know, my wife said, well, your goal now is to get back. So you can be there next season, right? We'll check back with you, JT, in about three months and see how rehab is going. I've heard that that can be somewhat grueling for Achilles tendons. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- that's the biggest problem with it. We were kind of speaking off air. The The pain surprisingly isn't isn't really as bad as you would think, but the uh, comeback, the, the rehab process is pretty strenuous. So I'll be probably not walking and not playing basketball for sure for about a year. Well, uh, ride the pine until next year and we'll see. Maybe you'll come back as a coach or a ref or something. Yeah, exactly. I'm out for the season now, but you never know. The Mavericks call. Who can say no, right? Exactly. Fantastic. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you ended up in commercial insurance. You know, there's some folks that are born into that business. It doesn't appear that you would fall into that category. So walk us through a little bit of your career path to end up at Rami King. Sure. So um, I went to school at Texas Tech and I was an exercise and sports science major. I did it because I've, I've been around sports my whole life and that seemed like the logical step to do. But then afterwards, career field, you really need to go get your master's. I was thinking about physical therapy and things like that. Uh, but I graduated in 2008. The economy wasn't good. And so I decided, you know what, I, I don't want to spend more time and have more debt in college. Let me, let me go see what I can find and then I can always come back. Right. And I found a, a job in sales, like you mentioned at True Green. Never thought I would be good at sales at all. Uh, it was just kind of a filler position, you know, to find my next thing. But 
but um, I, I was good at it. I just learned uh, basics kind of in a call center. And then I ended up uh, managing a sales team door to door, actually, uh, in, in Dallas and in Houston. So if you can sell something door to door, you can do anything, especially in Texas during the summer. It's one of those jobs where, man, this this kind of sucks. I don't want to do it. But then it hardens you for everything else going forward. You know what I mean? That eventually, I was with a company called IGS Energy um, at the time, and they ended up pulling all their branches out of Texas. And so I'm not left going, well, now what do I do? Making good money, doing well, uh, doing door to door my sales teams. The problem is, is you have to be there when people are home, right? And that's usually on weekends or later at night. My son was probably four at the time. And I'm just thinking, you know, do I want to do this the rest of my life and be away from him forever? Probably not. This is probably a good time to make a career change. And so I did. Um, my neighbor actually was um, working at Liberty Mutual and personal lines. And so I got a job there. Liberty Mutual is great. I had a lot of uh, learning there. I just didn't like the, it, it seemed like you, you would you would help somebody and then you're on to the next right away. There, there's no relationship building at all. And I really didn't like that. And so I just happened to go to a networking event and uh, my, my future boss sat down right next to him. And usually at those events, you try to stay away from guys and you're your own industry, right? But uh, he happened to sit next to me and we started talking and um, he said, you know what, we've got no position. I think you'd really like commercial and uh, here I am. So I've learned that all the all the bad things that you think of a job or all the struggles that you might have, it really, it's, it doesn't have to be forever. And just use those as strengths, you know, use those as encouragement um, and take from everything you can to go on to the next. And if anything ever seems hard, you know, I tore my Achilles tendon and I'm working from home talking to you, right? Nothing is as hard as walking out and Texas going door to door. So you kind of put everything in perspective. And so I wouldn't change anything for the world. Um, I, I do wish I would have gotten into this a little bit sooner, but uh, definitely my path has helped mold me to who I am today. I mean, so many people in real estate are in sales. Just what are you slinging? It, the product might be a little bit different, but the networking component of it is the same. Going door to door, rejection rate fairly high, I would imagine. How did you get past the mental block of that? I, I've been in sales as well for 12 years. And that's the hardest thing when you're cold calling, even with established relationships, that rejection can be difficult. But when you're just door to door, as you said, in the hot Texas summer, it takes a little bit of intestinal fortitude to overcome that. Did you have any tips that you could share with us on how you approached it? Yeah, you're definitely right. The yes rate is, it's not good, right? But what you do is just look at it from a number sink, right? If I knock a hundred doors a day, I'm going to get at least one or two sales. So you just know that, right? And then the more you do it, the better you're going to be. And so you really look at it as this is a no, but it's my 30th no. I've got, you know, 70 more to go before I get another yes. So it's once you kind of look at it from that standpoint and just know that my numbers are this solid, I know that I can get a sale out of every hundred doors. Uh, so then just keep pushing to the next You're That one no is closer to your next yes. Right. And then I would start doing things instead of setting a goal for a sale. I set a goal for let me let me have a great conversation with somebody. Even if I don't make a sale, at least they weren't cussing me out, you know, throwing me off the lawn or something. At least I had a great conversation. And interesting enough, when you're not being too pushy and when you're just going up and talking to somebody about their U.S. Marine flag flying or, you know, saying thanks to them and and just having a conversation with them. Later on, you'll see them, you know, when you're walking the other side of the street. And a lot of times they'll tell you to come back or they told their friends, you know. And so try to strive for great conversations, relationship building. You may not get the sale right then. You may not ever 
never get the sale, but you'll have a more pleasant day. And it seems to come around uh, in your favor for sure. So just don't get frustrated, stick to the process and just keep going. That no is just one step closer to the yes. I think that's really important. And a lot of that can translate over to whether it's underwriting deals. Oh yeah. I mean, the ratios are probably pretty similar these days. The number of deals you have to underwrite before you get to a yes. And then even with passive investors, what you said about not being pushy and just really seeking to be somebody that people enjoy being around is really important and genuinely pursuing that, not just putting it on like a coat so that you can appear attractive. Making that part of who you are, not being overly pushy is really key to many aspects of what we do in real estate. Definitely. And I'm and I'm really blessed. You know, we're family owned and operated company. My boss is great. Um, and he understands that it, it is a relationship game. And some of my best stories when we weren't able to make the sale. So maybe for whatever reason, this property, maybe there's just too much rehab going on and the markets we have just won't insure it, right? There's just too much there. You've got to go in and get uh, things fixed first before our markets are willing to look at it. And so some of the best stories are, hey, I can't help you on this one. But I know someone else that can call that you can call and I'll introduce you and they can help you out. Once you get everything fixed, then give me a call and I'll help you. And so it's funny. I didn't make the sale. You'd think, like, oh man, this is this is terrible. But that I get so much thanks and appreciation from that and referrals from that and just being open and honest. It makes me feel better. And in the end, it, it helps everybody. And I've worked in environments before where it's just sell, 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 you know, hard sell no matter what. And that's just not me. I'm I'm here for the long game, right? I'm here for building building relationships, um, not just getting this sale, but getting your your other properties as well, right? And you can only do that when you have a good relationship with everybody. And so that's, I'm fortunate that I'm in an area that they'll let me do that. Are you about to start a podcast or producing a podcast and tired of doing the editing yourself? We have produced over 1,000 daily shows and the production team that I've created, they're now available to produce shows for you as well. We can do as little or as much as you need from finding and communicating with guests, preparing introductions, to editing the audio and video. You will sound better, have a more professional presence, and be able to spend your time doing other valuable tasks on your business. Let me know you're interested by emailing me directly at Whitney at LifeBridgeCapital.com. Yeah, moving from the, the transactional sale to the more consultative sale, the longer relationship cycle, I greatly enjoyed that as well. It's such a different feel when you know, hey, I'm going to be working with this person if I nurture this relationship well for 5, 10, 20 years versus, hey, I, I sold you a whole life policy and we may never speak again. I do have to ask before we move off of the true green, how many times did you have a gun pulled on? Because you're going door to door in Texas. It never happened to me, but it did happen to somebody in my sales team in Houston once. So that was uh, not cool. I think he may have quit the next day, which I don't blame him. But yeah, it's uh, it's a scary thing. We would do as much as we could to be safe. We'd always go out in groups. We'd always leave before it got dark and things like that. But um, people are weird about their houses. You never know who's on the other side of the door. You know, you make sure to knock and step back so you're unthreatening and things like that. So there's there's definitely an art to it. But yeah, it, it can be scary out there. But I'll tell you what, the uh, most successful door-to-door sales reps I've had are women. And and you'd think, oh, they're they're the most scared to go out and do anything. But no, if they have the right attitude, they're so unthreatening at the door that most people will open and carry on a conversation with them. Whereas big scary dude, maybe they won't even open the door, right? So it, it's all in your mindset and attitude. We also know the neighborhoods that kind of stay away from. I mean, the neighborhoods, are the bad 
neighborhoods, they're not going to buy true green service anyway. So why even go there? So we're going into areas where people like a well manicured yard and most of them are pretty respectful. Well, that uh, was a, a fun aside, but commercial insurance, I want you to tell me that insurance rates are going down nationwide. It's, it's an amazing story running counter to inflation. Can you verify this rumor, JT? I cannot verify that rumor, unfortunately. It's interesting. There's been kind of a shift, especially in Texas and, and South Texas near Houston this year, that uh, things have gotten more challenging for sure. And it all comes down to losses, right? So these carriers will insure properties. So if they take enough losses, they literally can't afford to insure these properties anymore because they're paying out too many in claims, right? And so a lot of them, how do they recoup that? They increase premiums. Maybe they increase the deductible percents. Um, and then some of them say, you know, we, we can't can't do it anymore. We're not insuring 1970s to 1980s in Houston, Texas anymore, right? They kind of, I guess, make their appetite a little bit smaller. Uh, they'll do things, you know, 2018 and newer, but beyond this line at this highway, they don't go below that. And so we really have to stay on our toes to see what the market's doing, what different carriers like and don't like. And some of it gets really crazy. This carrier will, they will insure a 1970s build with aluminum wiring as long as it's remediated but it has to have a fire sprinkler system. It's like, okay. So you have to remember all these little things that they like, but it can't be too big, but it also can't be too small. And it can't be too close to the coast, but it can be this far and all these things. So we we have a, a running kind of guide that we kind of use to, to know where to go. And, you know, we're, we're always open to finding different markets, finding different ways to do things. The good thing about us as brokers is we have the ability to go out to multiple carriers and we can even mix and match some coverages. So one carrier might be great with property. Another one might be great with general liability. Another one's good with umbrella. One carrier on property side may not offer wind and hail coverage. Well, let's go to another carrier that will off, right? And so sometimes you get a policy and there's multiple carriers on it because they're all insuring little sections of it, kind of protecting themselves. And the end of the day, as long as the policy works and the lender approves it, it doesn't matter. Um, so we'll, we'll get as creative as possible to make it work. Do you see broadly folks driving deductibles higher and assuming a little bit more risk to try to drive insurance costs down or driving deductibles down to lower their overall risk in the event of an actual claim? That's a good question. Most of the time I'll see people um, willing to take a, a higher deductible just to get that premium down. Uh, in Texas, a 2% wind hail deductible is that standard. You're not seeing too many 1%. And as you get closer to the coast, uh, it's even higher or they'll have a separate deductible for a named storm. So it, most people are trying to save as much as they can so they can you know, make sure that this investment works. I will say that they're be more strategic about it as well. So if you've got a roof that's 10 years old in Texas, well, maybe I do a deductible by down to the 1% uh, now because I know that that next hailstorm that's going to come through, which we had one last night, there's hailstorms. It's going to happen, right? The next one that comes through could be that next claim. And so if you got an older roof, maybe you get the deductible buy down so that you can afford that new roof. But if you got one that's uh, one or two years old, maybe you take that risk and let it ride for a few years so the roof gets older. So it really depends on the property. It also depends on the person. I've seen owners that uh, 5% wind hail and at, and at that point, you know, 
you're kind of self-insuring. I've seen some owners not even have a deductible. Now, well, I don't want wind and hail coverage. I'll take care of that myself. Everybody's risk tolerance is different. Um, and it's kind of challenging for us, actually, because we want to get you the best benefit. But you might say, no, I want the best premium possible. I don't care about all that other stuff. I just want the best premium. We kind of need to know that going forward to be able to get you your best option, not necessarily the best option that we think, if that makes sense. You know, I live in Colorado. We own properties across the Rockies. So named storms aren't that big of a deal, but a lot of listeners to this show are around the Gulf Coast, your Florida's, your Carolina's, obviously a lot of folks in Texas. You had mentioned that some people are starting to have carve-outs for named storms. Is there special rider policies that you can put on that are only triggered by named storms, kind of a disaster-style insurance? Yeah, there's a few ways to do it. And, and like I said, some carriers, they will not cover a named storm. So then you go find someone else that will, and they're willing to take on that risk at a 3% named storm deductible. And, and for your listeners, name stormed is exactly that. If the storm comes through and it has a name, there it is. It's a name storm deductible. So basically what that means is a tropical depression. If it gets big enough to have a name uh, like a hurricane, then that would be a name storm. That doesn't apply to tornadoes or anything like that. It's just bigger storms that are named. They're somewhat predictable and you watch on your news channel for 10 days before they actually make landfall. Yeah. Well, and what's really interesting is this time of year, cares are even tighter near the coast because this is hurricane season. So what they're afraid is I'm going to write this property right now and a hurricane is going to come through next week. And now all of a sudden I've lost, you know, all of this. So they actually kind of wait around sometimes, especially if there's a hurricane kind of floating off the Gulf, they'll wait around. They'll go, we'll ride it after this storm comes through and then they'll ride it. So it's, it's really challenging, especially you got closing dates and all this trying to figure out the best option. But uh, during hurricane season, it makes it a little tougher as you get farther into the summer. That's less of a problem, but yeah, right now it's a little challenging. They, they're watching the storm's very close. Man, I hadn't even considered that, but that would be something as an insurance company to see Charlie coming through and all of a sudden like, oh, we're supposed to close. We're just not going to write it for 48 hours and we're going to wait and see. That could leave a, a buyer in a pinch. Sure. And it's it's tough. So, you know, if, if you're looking at coastal properties, keep that in mind that the hurricane season, you may need to uh, have a couple extensions just because of that. If there's a storm, you know, waiting off the coast, then you're probably going to have to wait. Fantastic. Uh, what's one way that you've improved your business recently, JT, that we might be able to apply on our side of the fence. Improve my business. It's kind of funny. I tell everybody this, but but COVID actually really helped my business. And the reason is, is there's enough networking events in DFW that you could go to one every night, probably. And you go in person. And that's what we used to do. Since COVID, no one was getting out. And so then what happened, right? Zoom is all the rage and everyone has a Zoom. And that allowed me to network with folks all over the United States. And we're licensed everywhere, not just Texas. So I'm able to meet people in New York that are buying a property in North Carolina and so on. And, and I wouldn't have done that unless people were more open to all these Zoom meetings. Um, and from there, it's just referrals like crazy. It's building relationships with people, giving them a shout out on Facebook when they close something or LinkedIn and just the network. There's a lot of investors out there, but it really does feel like a small family. And as long as you're doing them right, your name will get out. You'll get the good referrals. 
and you can help more and more people. And that's the biggest thing is when I network now, I don't I don't even start the conversation off telling them what I do. I tell them who I know that can help them get their deals done, who I can um, refer you to. Uh, do you need an attorney? Do you need a CPA? Do you need other investors to team up with? Where, where are you looking at? Maybe you need more help, a bigger team to take down a bigger deal, right? And so my whole thing is let's group all these people together. And then, oh, by the way, I'd, I'd be happy to help with your insurance, right? And I think the more honest you are about that approach and just the true relationship building, the better it's going to be. People can see the, the BS, right? And so just be open and honest, try to help them and um, it'll come back tenfold for sure. Fantastic. Well, JT, thanks for joining us today. If folks want to reach out to you, um, they can hit you up at your email, jtlynch at ramyking.com um, or look him up on LinkedIn. Got a profile there as well, but uh, thanks for your time, JT. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you to our listeners for joining another episode of the Daily Real Estate Syndication Show. I'm your host, Sam Rust, signing off. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day. 